This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Maya Tan, and you've just tuned in to A Sunday Kind of Love. In the studio with me today, I have Othniel Ting. On this episode, we're going to explore some bizarre genres of music that you may or may not have heard of before. Ever heard of music for pirates? About pirates by pirates? Music that's both German and African at the same time. And let's not forget music that makes your iPod sound like a Nintendo Game Boy. So to start off with, there's a genre that we've all heard, but it's not necessarily acknowledged. It's shoegaze. You've heard of shoegaze, I'm sure. I love shoegaze. <laughs> okay. So shoegaze music is very heavy on the distorted guitars, and they use a lot of effects pedals. But apparently there are no clear musical riffs or hooks, you know, so there's no catchy chorus, that sort of thing. And because listeners of this hypnotic, dreamy music will often, you know, become very moody and introspective, mm-hmm. then they look down and gaze at their shoes. The term shoegaze was coined. And shoegaze was very popular in the 70s because classic bands like The Smiths, The Cure, Velvet Underground, they all fall under this broad category. Yeah, when it comes to shoegaze, I think there's two types of shoegaze. One is called the, as you mentioned, the one that's popular in the 70s and the one that's more modernized called the new gaze genre. Mm. Yeah, so what these new gaze bands do is they create lots of textures and they love to have a wall of sound that hits the audience in typically loud volumes. So to create this wall of sound, the guitar players had to use a lot of guitar effects pedals mm-hmm. that are linked together. Some are like huge, like they call it pedal bots. So the pedal bots look like spaceships. Yeah, so, wow. so when they use the pedal bots, they have to look on the ground to make sure they're pressing the right pedals. So in my knowledge, that's how the shoegazing term was coined. That's hilarious. And what do you like about shoegaze? For me, the shoegaze genre is very... Besides being non-mainstream, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, being the hipster that you are. (laughs) Yeah, I like how these shoegaze songs, the vocals are normally whispers and the attention is more towards the overall melody, the huge wall of sound that hits you when you listen and it just puts you in a state of dreaminess. Yeah, you feel like you're in another world. <laughs> yeah, I do like the chords that are used. You know, they're mostly minor chords. Yeah, very, very dreamy. Very moody yeah. as well. I've played the Smiths on this show before and, you know, who doesn't like a bit of The Cure and Velvet Underground, right? But are, are there any shoegaze bands that you know of and like? My favourite would have to be My Bloody Valentine. I mean, that's the number one shoegaze band that every shoegazer would have to listen to. you got to get the basics right. Alright, let's take a listen. My Bloody Valentine, this is Sometimes.
BFM 89.9, it's a Sunday kind of love. I'm Maya Tan here with Othniel Ting and that was My Bloody Valentine with Sometimes. And that's uh, Othniel's favourite shoegaze band. On to the next bizarre music genre. I believe you've got something for us. Yeah, so this genre is called Vaporwave. Vaporwave. Yeah, so Vaporwave emerged in the early 2010 during the hype of the whole indie dance genre. And it's a subgenre with origins from other genres like Chillwave, C-Punk, Bounce House and many other genre names that sound cool but I know nothing of. Well, I've heard a little bit about Chillwave and C-Punk actually. Mm -hmm. Apparently the guy who started C-Punk had a dream about a leather jacket with barnacles growing out of it. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of like steampunk so he kind of mixed the punk genre Mm. with some nautical... Dolphins. Nautical inspirations, hence Mm. C-Punk. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very Tumblr generation genre. Speaking of which, there's another genre called Tumblr rap. What? what, what what's oh, that? I know. We'll deal with that on another episode. But please tell us more about Vaporwave. <laughs> yeah, so Vaporwave is one of those genres that really took a life form of its own on the internet through sites like Tumblr and Bandcamp. And the genre mainly samples 80s and 90s smooth R&B jams that are usually slowed down pitched and laid with a wave of compressed filters completing the whole vintage yet modern sounding music. Sounds intriguing. Mm. It's also a genre that relies heavily on the visual aesthetics as well. So most of the imagery involves 90s anime art, uh, 90s internet web design, glitch art, and it's all done in an ironic and satirical manner of course. And uh, the whole genre is like a parody of American hyper-contextualization of the e-world on the internet circa 1995. So you'll see like the music videos with Windows 95 startup animation is, is, is very weird. <laughs> it's so nostalgic of the 90s. Obviously, you know, a genre of music started off by millennials. Mm. <laughs> okay, so do you have a song for us? This is Macross 82 to 99 from his album Sailor Wave with the song New Dawn. Sunny Kind of Love returns in just a moment. We've got more obscure and bizarre music genres coming up after this. And next on the show, we want to find out why there's a genre of music specifically about pirates on BFM 
And we're back on a Sunday Kind of Love with me, Maya Tan. Othniel Ting is here with me in the studio. And we're going through some of the weirdest music genres to ever come about. Now, this next genre that I have has an incredibly bizarre name, Burger High Life. <laughs> now, you're probably thinking I picked this genre because it has a funny name, right? Well, yeah, that's exactly why I picked it. And the name of this genre is so unusual that, you know, when you're uploading a song... Don't try to make your iPod categorize it because it just might explode. <laughs> so Burger High Life is known for its up-tempo guitar and there's a very jazzy, horn-led sound. Then they use a lot of synthesizers. Again, you know, the 80s seems to be like a big influence on all these bizarre genres. This genre has its origins from Ghana, but it is universally considered to be a German style of music. So, you know, a bit confusing there. Mm. And this is probably due to the fact that it's unique to the Ghanaian immigrants of Germany. So let's just let that soak in for a second. Ghanaian people in Germany performing this unique form of Afropop, calling it Burger High Life. I mean, I get the high life part. Maybe they were like, this song to get high to or what? But why burgers? Burger, I think that's the German connection, right? Because mm. they live there. Maybe a lot of them first migrated to Hamburg. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, the name Burger obviously came from 1889 when the Hamburg steak from the German city of Hamburg uh, ah. was invented. But it's not a certain connection, you know. I mean, even Wikipedia is like vague about it. And there may not be one beyond that of Hamburg being a major port of departure for German immigrants to the United States. And of course, the United States is what's made the burger so popular in today's culture, right? So let's listen to a clip. This burger high life artist is called DJ Christo. So what do you think? I love it. <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing burger highlight music. I think I'll go home and download a few. Yeah, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, old school R&B yes, there. Yes, yes. And some Calypso sounding mm. stuff, you know, it's and it's mostly quite happy sounding. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's where the Ghana influences come, you know. Maybe that's where they got the high life term from. They want to get high from life, from living. Yeah, so. yeah and very happy pentatonic tones mm. there. It's probably music that they dance to as a family. <laughs> oh, that's such a nice visual. There's one which I find just completely bizarre. Mm. I don't even know if you can call this music, but apparently it is categorized as music. The The genre is called lowercase. Now, a minimal artist, of course he has to be a minimal artist, right? Mm -hmm. Minimal artist Steve Roden 
came up with lowercase. And it's an extreme form of ambient minimalism in which very quiet sounds bookend long stretches of silence. So it's very little sound mm. with a lot of silence in between. Wow, empty music. <laughs> yeah, and I was reading a music blog from LA and it said, to call lowercase minimalist would be a massive understatement, which means there's hardly anything there at all. <laughs> I think, you know, don't spend a whole lot of money buying this album because you might feel cheated. <laughs> And he continues to say, imagine the sound of high school detention with a couple of delinquents passing notes back and forth occasionally. Interesting. Bell is the truth in brackets Berlin. Okay, so for that one, for that piece, at least, you know, I would say you can call it music. There are some musical elements involved, right? Mm. Although it sounds mostly like just shaking a pebble in a glass jar around, there is a pattern to it. There's dynamics, there's build-up. So, you know, there's a story, right, with a start, a middle and an end. Mm. What do you think? I'm a fan of minimalism when it comes to clothes, when it comes to art, but for this one... You need more. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I've got another genre which has a lot more. And this is one that I kind of like because it brings back a lot of happy memories, uh, mainly because it combines two things, video games and pop music. Mm. It's called Nintendo Core. So Nintendo Core was born out of chiptune. And chiptune, of course, would refer to uh, sequenced music that features very low-end samples that come out of chips, right? Very uh, 8-bit-ish. Yeah, yeah, very low-sample mm. devices, you mm. know, like the Nintendo Game Boy, obviously. Mm. And then there's Bitpop. I think you know a bit about Bitpop. Mm -hmm. And then it combines vintage sounds from video games like the Mario Brothers with a lot of upbeat synthesizers and uh, the pop riffs. You know, I think we all remember the Mario Brothers mm -hmm. theme song. So Nintendo core bands would include Math the Band and the Neskimos. But uh, there's a band which I kind of like, it's called I Fight Dragons, and this is The Geeks Will Inherit the Earth. I remember trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new
destroyed the earth. Everybody tries to tell you that you're different. So you run away and wonder if it makes sense. But the day will come when you will get a new chance. The tables turn. FM 89.9, that was I Fight Dragons with The Geeks Will Inherit the Earth. And that was a great example of Nintendo Core. And now we've got another weird genre. Some genres need descriptions of what their music encompasses. And others, all they need is a name. So, you know, if you were to take a guess, what do you think pirate metal is about? It's all about getting the goal. All about getting the goal. Getting the goal. Well, you wouldn't be wrong because all pirate metal bands sing about would be pirates. Never would have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) So you know what? Like, If you were to illegally download their songs, right, it would be both wrong and deliciously ironic. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that their concerts are quite incredible with band members in full pirate regalia and the audience is fully encouraged to join in. Just think about it. You could go get drunk dressed as a pirate with hundreds of other pirates while a band dressed as pirates sings songs about pirates. Yeah, and if that doesn't sound like a great way to spend an evening, then, you know, congratulations, you've not been made jaded by the internet. (laughs) Shall we hear a clip? This is by a Scottish pirate metal band. It's called Alestorm and this is Keel Hall. I thought it would be like a parody and 
making pirate music ironically, but it turns out they're full-on legit pirate music. <laughs> yeah, but with a lot of like heavy metal yeah. influences coming in. Yeah, so it's very similar to traditional metal, but with a lot of elements of old sea shanties thrown in for good measure because, you know, sea shanties are awesome. <laughs> what do you think listens to pirate metal? Besides pirates? Spongebob, maybe. Spongebob. <laughs> and his friend Patrick. I don't know, and Scottish enthusiasts, maybe. Mm, yeah. Yeah, uh, fans of Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe mm, those Johnny who... Johnny Depp. He looks like that type that enjoys pirate music. Yeah, even if he didn't play that character Jack Sparrow in uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, I think he would be the sort of person who would like yeah. pirate metal, like, you know, just because mm. he's cool like that. Okay, and then you've got another one for us. Yeah, so this genre is called Jizz Jazz. <laughs> As in for real, yes, like in for jizz. Reals, jizz, jazz. So you listen to this music and you jizz. Is that it? Um, the genre probably meant jizzing on jazz. I don't know. <laughs> As in like, no, that's yeah. even worse. But I- I'm sure all the cool kids right now uh, are familiar with this genre. Yeah. So jizz jazz is a term that was coined by Mac DiMarco, an artist that I personally adore. I just seen him last week in Laneway Festival, and he was amazing. But after journalists that uh, talked to him started giving him weird genres to his music like slacker wave, since then he used the term jizz jazz to describe his music and it stuck. And it's actually a perfect description of the type of music that he makes along with other bands in his circle back in Canada. Yeah, so jizz jazz is a lo-fi sound that has hints of slacker indie pop vibes with recording that I'm very sure was recorded on analog tape, of course. It has that analog sound, does yeah, it? Yeah, and the keyboards sound warbly, the guitars are on the edge of being out of tune, and the vocals are the vocals are drenched in chorus that sounds very full. It's dirty and I love it. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard you talk dirty before. <laughs> Yeah. But are there any elements of jazz in there? Yeah, there are tiny hints of jazz here and there, be it in the type of chords that they chose, or the particular jazz drum beat. It's hidden, but the jazz influences are right there. So an, an easy way to look at it would be that jizz jazzists were the slackers of a jazz school that skips class, smoking all day, <laughs> and just making music for fun with friends. Hmm. Are there other jizz jazz bands apart from Mac DeMarco? Yeah, and I'll play you one right now. Here's a song by this band called Home Shake, which used to be Mac DeMarco's touring guitarist, but he went solo to concentrate on his band. So here's a song by Home Shake called Making a Fool of You. We'll be right back with more Sunday Kind of Love right after this to answer the question, what kind of metal is the antithesis of black metal on BFM 89.9?
This is a Sunday kind of love. Welcome back. A good Sunday to you. This is Maya Tan and I have Othniel Ting with me. We're going through some bizarre music genres this week. So far, we've gone through shoegazing. We've gone through vaporwave. We've gone through burger high life, pirate metal, jizz jazz, lowercase and Nintendo core. Right now, we've got something called Visual K. I'm a little closer to home from Japan. So Visual K is... um, Have you heard of Visual K before? Nope. (laughs) If you're not familiar with it, then you're really in for a treat. It's typically characterized by androgynous outfits, giant hair, like with a lot of gel spiked and long and in all colors of the rainbow, uh, and really kick-ass guitars. The actual music is really hard to pin down. And some claim it's actually just a subculture of fashion rather than a musical genre. But then, you know, it's kind of hard to write off several dozen bands that all have these men playing guitar solos while dressed like Renaissance-era prostitutes or princess, whichever you choose. Anyway, what do you think of that? So is this a band of cosplayers? Yeah, but at BFM, we have an in-house Visual K guru. Really? Yep, Nadia Hassan from The Morning Run, (laughs) who does the breakfast grill with all these CEOs, right? She's a Visual K guru. So I got her to tell us a little bit about why she's such a big fan. Basically, Visual K is rock, but with a bit of new wave influences. The, The original influence was very much the new wave from UK. Basically, it's very flamboyant. Think Bowie. Think Bowie when he was doing Ziggy Stardust. A lot of big hair, a lot of makeup, a lot of gender sort of questioning because they were all very, very, they were very pretty. That's what Visual K was. But the music itself ranged from everything to really dark and screamy to slightly more on the lighter side of Japanese rock. So I like the music because the music actually ranges absolutely everything. It doesn't fall into one kind of category. And of course, visuals are appealing to them. Everything from what they wear on stage. It could be something as uh, simple as denim jackets and denim jeans, but they would have coordinated those denim jackets and denim jeans so it all looks pretty good, to full ball gown, basically imperial kind of looking stuff as well. Full renaissance kind of outfits as well. And then you have modern contemporary mixed in with very, very heavy colours. And then a lot of the guys are very androgynous, very pretty, very pink. But you know what's funny? Although they're androgynous and they're pretty, it's so much a male art. In Japanese culture, it's a male art. Okay, the, the granddaddy of Visual K is actually Yoshiki, who started this band called X Japan. He was the one who actually coined the phrase uh, Visual Shock. That was him. Uh, he he's actually of course the, the biggest guy around he's, um, he's still doing stuff in, in the States but currently if you listen to my playlist it's big bands like Gazette who Huffington Post named as one of the Japanese band acts to watch in 2015 and then you have the smaller indie guys like Sadi who are 10 years on and a guy like Diora who's just coming up in the scene so it's a very very big mix of course if you're on the heavier side of Visual K you can't miss Dylan Gray 13 years they're huge following in the states they sell out arenas in a matter of seconds recommendations if you want softer songs Guren by Gazette is a very very good point if you like more poppy Shiver by Gazette is pretty good but pick up Diora's Master if you want something heavy. For Dur and Grey, try their new album, Arche. But otherwise, you, you pick up something very, very heavy like Dozing Green. Fantastic. It's not my cup of tea, but I'm sure there are some guys out there that fancies other men wearing gloves <laughs> made of fishnets. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so now you've got a you've got another interesting one for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one is not that out of this world, but it's it's interesting as well. It's called Future Soul. So the best way to describe Future Soul is future sounds but with old school roots. Ah. Uh, according to the internet, these old school roots range all across the spectrum of music from blues, jazz, hip-hop to soul and funk, all of which are melodically woven together with new edge, cutting edge synths and fat bass lines with funky melodies. Wow. It's basically Neo Soul's cooler younger brother with an interracial marriage of different influences. Wow, yeah, you're so quite it, poetic, are you? <laughs> Yeah, so all these future soul bands have very soulful chord progressions with hip hop beats, etc. So it's like soul music of the future for the new generation, perhaps. Well, I'm really glad to see that old school roots are, you know, taking root, mm. forgive the pun, in newer genres of music. Because if you look at today's R&B and soul, mm-hmm. what passes off as R&B and soul are all these like... I try not to say names, but it's alright. You guys know who they are. So it's a lot like fashion, you know, everything is recycled, reduced, reused, recycled, right? And in all mm. these genres, they have a lot of roots in the past and I suppose like fashion music is also cyclical Mm. do you want to play us a track? yeah sure so this song is by a band called Hiatus Coyote which is a band from Australia a four piece band and they were nominated for a Grammy for best R&B performance for one of their songs last year and this song is called Molasses by Hiatus Coyote sweet So 
101.9. This is a Sunday kind of love. So we just heard Molasses by Hiatus Coyote. Now, there's still a vast number of bizarre music genres out there. Uh, Wizard Rock, for example, just as with Pirate Metal, simply reading the name tells you all you need to know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> These bands sing songs from the perspectives of characters that wave magic wands and can turn people into stone if they so desire. Mm. So bands in this genre typically sing about Harry Potter because songs about Gollum would just be quite weird. Gandalf has been a part of pop culture for decades, so it's not very niche. It's not niche enough. But, you know, a youthful wizard like Harry Potter, you know, who wasn't even that good a wizard, will get a whole genre devoted to his adventures. How ironic. Anyway, I'll play you a little bit from Harry and the Potters. This is Save Ginny Weasley. <laughs> Hermione Granger, we got to save Ginny Weasley from the basilisk. We got to save the school from that unseen horror. We got to save Ginny Weasley from the basilisk. And then there's Unblack Metal. Ah, okay. So earlier we were talking about the antithesis of black metal, right? Mm -hmm. So black metal, as as far as I know, has its roots in Satan worshipping. Mm -hmm. Would that be right? Mm. So what's Unblack Metal? So Unblack Metal is basically Christian black metal. <laughs> and it's a genre that is stylistically black metal, but whose artists promote Christianity in their lyrics and imagery. It's a little bit controversial, right? Because mm -hmm. traditionally, you know, black metal, it's very heavy. It's very dark. There's a lot of screaming and monster-like guttural sounds that come out. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt they get many invitations to perform at churches. Yeah, unless it's an un... Unchurched church? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also read something that some of the pioneers of this unblack metal movement were actually anti-Christian. And then all of a sudden, they became born again. It's very contradictory because, you know, black metal is very, very dark and there are a lot of man-hating ideals. But this kind of carries through in unblack metal. So I don't know how effective they are in spreading the good word, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I would play you a clip, but I took a listen to a famous unblack metal band called Horde. And they have a controversial song, Invert the Inverted Cross, from their Helig Uzvelt album. And it pretty much sounds like black metal. I mean, I think, you know, listening to it, it becomes something that you interpret for yourself, mm. really, isn't it? Because it could go either way. Mm. You know, perhaps a black metal fan could potentially like unblack metal as Nobody well. Nobody understands the vocals anyway. Yeah. Are there any other uh, musical genres that you want to talk about? Well, one of my favourites is math rock. Math so, rock? Yeah, so math rock is essentially a combination of different time signatures and tempos that bands use to confuse themselves and probably confuse the listeners as well. Yeah, so <laughs> normally... Uh, there's nothing mathematical about it. <laughs> well, there's a bit mathematical where the drummer has to count the beats the different time signatures. So what, what what I usually do when I listen to math rock is I compete with my friends to try to get what time signatures the drummer playing in. So that's how we have fun. Not really fun, but... <laughs> 
Oh man, you authentic hipsters, you. <laughs> so mostly musicians or wedding bands would listen to math rock? I guess it's not really for the general music listener and definitely not mathematicians. Okay, but is there sort of a cultural influence? Like, is there a mindset when it comes to this? I guess an easy way to say it would be music for musicians. <laughs> yeah, it just it's music for musicians to have fun listening to. Music for music geeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apart from the eclectic time signatures, are there any other characteristics that can help you distinguish between math rock and like math core, for example, which is another genre, right? A funny but pretty accurate way to judge whether the band is mathy or not is to see how high they wear their guitars. <laughs> really? Yes. What's the significance? Because normally math rock bands, they wear their guitar really high. So if you see like a band full of guys with guitars all the way up to their chest, that's probably a math rock band. Is there a reason, <laughs> is there a physical reason why they wear it so close to their chest? Because uh, mainly in a math rock band, the songs consist of many technical fingerboard movements so I'm guessing it's it was initially out of convenience but it became like an aesthetic to math rock bands so it's become sort of like their signature look right it's not really a proven thing but it's just a joke that we all of us say around like all math rock bands carry the guitars very all the way out <laughs> okay so you have a song for us yeah I have a song called Snare Hanger from the band Battles and it's one of the probably one of the more mainstream math rock bands that have managed to to make it big in the mainstream market yeah and that's it from us this week thank you Othnil for joining me today this is Maya Tan signing off on A Sunday Kind of Love on BFM 